But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. Not all flesh is the same. People have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So what is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, the last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that, the spiritual. The first man was the dust of the earth, the second man is of heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the earthly man, so shall we bear the image of the heavenly man. I declare to you, brothers and sisters, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now moving on to John 3, which you can find on page 1649, starting at verse 3. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. 
I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, Lord God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Delighted to be with you this morning. Always a cachet about, for me at least, coming to First Hamilton, and I'm glad to be with you again. As the elder said, uh, I'm into my 52nd year of sharing uh, worship and leading worship and preaching the gospel and you would think that after 50 some years you'd stop making new sermons but my wife said this morning is this old or new and I said it's new so keep at it when I ask the question how was your Christmas it's a good question I swim for exercise, and there's a bunch of guys we all meet at the same time in the same place. A week ago, I had really a memorable moment. It was my birthday, and if you've never had six naked guys sing happy birthday to you in the change room in the pool, you've not experienced life in all its fullness. It was rather striking. Anyway, but... Everybody, after they got back, after four days of not swimming, they said, how was your Christmas? We tend to ask, how was your Christmas? And, and we, we, we do all the, the normal things. We talk about babies in the manger and angels and stars above Bethlehem and wise men on the road. And then when we get done with all that familiar stuff, then it's over. Now, if you celebrate Christmas the way our world celebrates Christmas, you could get immune to it. Christmas modern style can inoculate you. I'm not a medical student, but a little bit of a disease will give you antibodies to fight off the big thing. And so you can get in our society enough of Christmas to ruin Christmas for you for good. It's very easy because Christmas gets wrapped up with Santa Claus and then we get into Black Friday and then we get into Cyber Monday and then we get into dinners and then we get into Boxing Day and then you're with Charlie Brown and I'm amazed that Charlie Brown's been around the Christmas special for as long as I've been doing this and it's 50 some years. And you say, what's the point of it all? What's the point? The point is, in the Christmas card, um, he came down from earth to heaven, says to him, who is God and Lord of all, and his shelter was a stable, and his cradle was a stall, with the poor, the mean, and lowly, lived on earth, our Savior, holy. So Jesus came, and he was born. He shared our life. God with us. 
He shared our life. And then you have to ask, why? Why did he share our life? I have this year, um, prayer is an ongoing struggle for a lot of Christians. It is for me. And uh, I, I need to be honest. There are days when I just don't feel like it. And that puts me in league and in common on the same level with many other folks. Being a pastor does not give you a pass on that kind of struggle. It makes it perhaps more intense. And I have begun to start my prayers by reciting the Nicene Creed. And I do that because we talk about the Father, the Son, but the Nicene Creed of all the creeds is the most generous about the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of emphases on worship which talk hugely about God the Father and intensely about God the Son. And then it says, Father and Son, who in the unity of the Holy Spirit live one God forever. And the Holy Spirit gets brushed off with about eight or ten words. Nicene Creed does it differently. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. I like that. I'm aware of the 94th Psalm where it says, you sent forth your spirit and they are created. You renew the face of the earth. Springtime is for me a spiritual experience. When I see the earth turn green, you send forth your spirit and they are created and you renew the face of the earth. The Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. Not only did he speak by the prophets, but he brings to birth faith. He gifts and graces the believer. He guides the church. He directs the ministry. He accompanies the ministry with the power and the works of Jesus Christ. Jesus was born to introduce us to the Spirit. And the Spirit is His substitute. He has gone to the right hand of the Father, but the Spirit lives with us. I, I would counsel Greg to add a second line to what he says with the kids. Jesus is here, and you say, hallelujah. Well, how is Jesus here? He is here through the person and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. The greatest Christmas gift is and remains the Holy Spirit. Listen to the creed. The point of Christmas is not that Mary had a baby boy. The point of Christmas is not to give us a time of holiday and vacation. The point of Christmas is not that we could get presents and enjoy in one another's company. The point is, is that Jesus comes to earth on a mission. The reason the Son of God appeared, says the Bible, was to destroy the works of the devil. God sent Jesus to earth not to be cooed over in a manger somewhere, but to search out and to kill Satan. Jesus is on a mission. He came.
For us men and for our salvation, he was incarnated by the Holy Spirit and was made man and was crucified for us. Won't get you far on Christmas Eve if you say to people, yeah, well, it's not the baby in the manger, it's a cross. Don't, don't talk about the cross. We don't want to talk about the cross. Don't ruin the moment. For the turkey to die is bad enough. He suffered, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. The whole point of Christmas is the resurrection. And it goes through the cross. And then after the resurrection, he will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will have no end. Bow now or bow later, but bow you will. So the point of Christmas is for God to be with us, for God to search out and to destroy sin. We read the story of Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, we know you are a teacher come from God for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And you can just listen to John's story that Jesus is saying, man, you don't know half of it. You don't know half of it because I, in the beginning, am the Word. The Word was in the beginning with God. The Word was God. I was in the beginning. All things were made through me. Without me, nothing created was made. In me is life. I've changed the tense from third or the person from third to first. In me is life, and the life is the light of men. Wow, Nicodemus would say, I didn't know all that. No, I'm glad you asked. Well, why did you become, why did you become mortal? Why Emmanuel? And the answer is because everybody in the Old Testament failed. Adam failed, Abraham failed, Moses failed, Aaron failed, David failed. You can, you can add all the pictures you want. Just wanted to make the point. All the Old Testament leaders failed. I, I love the story of Noah. When Noah is born, his mom says, this is the one who is going to be our Goel, our Redeemer. He will liberate us from the effects of sin. And she was disappointed. He fails like all the others. And so Jesus will say to Nicodemus, everybody failed and so I, I the Word, became flesh to redeem mankind. And the whole thing starts when Gabriel goes to visit Mary. How is, going to, how is Jesus going to succeed where everybody else failed? How can he break the mold? How can, can he destroy the pattern of failure? How? How indeed? Well, Gabriel says, you will conceive, Mary, and you will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. Now, Mary's not a theologian. Mary will have graduated from catechism class and, and she would not, like the boys, continue her education because that was the cultural pattern of the day. But, 
Mary knows enough to say, how is this going to happen? Mary takes it from the theological to the physical. And she says, well, you're an angel. You can talk about all these wonderful things, but I'm a virgin. I'm not in a relationship. Well, not in a physical relationship like a married woman. How will this be? And then listen to the answer. Because this is where the gospel lies for the other side of Christmas. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy Spirit comes on Jesus in the time of his incarnation and the Holy Spirit doesn't know how to quit. Doesn't know where to stop. Doesn't know where to let up. The Holy Spirit comes in his incarnation. The Holy Spirit comes in his baptism or or. or, or, or consecration at the hands of John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit comes again on the Mount of Transfiguration and when he dies the Holy Spirit raises him up. Because Romans 8 says that God by the Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit and the ministry of Jesus go hand to hand, to hand. This is why I have found great joy and great power in, in, in focusing, in, in reminiscing, in calling to mind the work of the Spirit in my morning prayer. There is a parallel for Chris, for, uh, to Christmas for us. You'll have to forgive me. Ever since I was a little kid, and we lived along a railroad track in Holland before I came to Canada, I'm a train freak. When I come to Hamilton, I think of the TH and B. And I look for all the old tracks and the old stations. And if it runs on tracks and blows a whistle and makes smoke, I'm there. I want to see it. But in the railroad track is the perfect parallel it's, I'm not indulging myself here this morning. The railroad track makes a point. Two tracks parallel to one another, meeting in the distance is only a visual illusion. When you go down the track, it's still the standard gauge apart. So what's the whole point? What's the point of what we're focusing on this morning and the point of this example? The answer is very simple. Uh, simple. Divide the track one from the other. The track on your left will be for Jesus. The track on our right will be for us. Jesus, the Word of God, dwells with the Father. He is spiritual. Paul talks about it in, in death and resurrection terms in 1 Corinthians, but the parallel is the same as what Jesus was speaking of to Nicodemus in John 3. Jesus, who represents the kingdom of God, has to come down to succeed where all the Old Testament leaders failed. He needs to be born. He needs to go down to earth. And we who are sinful need to ascend to the spiritual. And God does it the same way for both. 
What he does for Jesus, he does for us. Because how does Jesus become man? The Holy Spirit will come upon you, says Gabriel to Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And how can you stop being a sinful person, or at least beat back the sinfulness that is in all of us and attain unto the kingdom of God? And the answer is the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Paul was a Pharisee. And Paul in Colossians says, man, us Pharisees, we try to move heaven and earth. And we said, first you start by being of the people of Israel, then you know your tribe. Paul said, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Then you focus on your circumcision. Then you go to the right school. You do the right training. You have the proper interpretation. And then perhaps you'll make it. And God says to him, no, that's not how it works. That's the flesh. The flesh must die. I tell you, says Jesus to Nicodemus, flesh and blood, or Paul says rather to the Corinthians, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Cannot. You can train flesh all at once. You can train flesh to the point where it is the most perfect, most holy, most ascetic, most cave-dwelling hermit in the world. And it won't make it to the kingdom of God. Neither will the perishable inherit the imperishable. And now Nicodemus is in the same boat as Mary. Now he says, why? How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus just doesn't get it. How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb? And Jesus says, give up on it, man. The first time you came from your mother's womb, you came out sinful. If you were to repeat the whole thing, you would have the same results. No change. You have to go to a whole new level. You have to go to water and spirit. But I like the way Gabriel says it to Mary. I love it. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I get into a scrape when I get into a conflict when the devil sits on my left shoulder and says, do it my way, and the gospel speaks to me from my right shoulder and says, do it my way, I say, Holy Spirit, overshadow me. Spirit of God, come upon me. Bless me, strengthen me in this time of conflict. Because it's not the flesh and the blood. It's not our skill, it's not our determination, it's not our willpower, it's not our ability to drive ourselves and to corral ourselves, it's the Spirit. The Spirit will overshadow you. I find it so interesting that two of the most popular Christmas stories, the story of Scrooge, and I like the old Alastair Sims version where when this happens to him, when he wakes up on Christmas morning and he realizes that he's not dead, that he has another chance, another opportunity. He just shakes with excitement. 
And Dr. Zeus, well, he says the Grinch needed a transformation of heart. Too much of a cartoonist, I guess, to, not, to use the phrase born again, but both of them have what you might call a born again experience. The same point, the same point. And so what's left for Christmas? There is this gift-giving orgy, and when all is said and done, how do you deal with Christmas? Will you clean up the wrapping paper? You recycle the recyclables? You bring your Visa and MasterCard back into sync? But most of all, you want to focus on the gift of God. And the gift of God is the Holy Spirit. The gift of God is the Holy Spirit, Jesus himself. And I, I love this. Uh, this is so beautiful because there was a time, I, I, one of the reasons I like coming here is that I meet people from my past. Uh, Mrs. Berkler helped me put together this service. I said to her, do you have family in Nova Scotia? And she said, yeah, my husband was born in Nova Scotia. Well, when? In 71. Well. If he was born in Truro, then I was the pastor there at the time, and I baptized him. And then the next guy to give me a bulletin is Justin Cooper, and Justin and I were part of a campus ministry of the U of T five years after Truro. That's a long time ago, but those were good times. And then this morning, it just wouldn't stop. I, I've never come to a church with my laptop, and and these pictures, and we hooked up in under 30 seconds. And I thought, wow, this is really cool. But there was a time in my life, in my original ministry, when all of a sudden, in Truro, I was six months into the ministry, fresh out of seminary, as rookie as a rookie can get. And then all of a sudden, this big controversy hit the congregation. Somebody got born again, but not in our church, in another church. And they made a big stink in our church that if you didn't have the experience the way they had it, and if you didn't get dumped the way they were, then you were not Christian. And all of a sudden, the whole Christian Reformed Church, John Calvin and Turo, Nova Scotia, is asking itself, what is up? What's up? How do we deal with this? And being a six-month rookie in the ministry, I all of a sudden caught myself between the hammer and the anvil. And it was not a fun place to be. And I started struggling with the Word. And the Word is very simple. We are born through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's gift. You don't get new life in any way, shape, or form, just like you didn't get yourself born in the first place. I didn't give myself life. You didn't give yourself life. It was your mom and your dad and the Spirit of God, the Spirit who gives birth to the bones in the womb. Life is a gift from God. New life is a gift from God. And if you're looking for a new life from God, 
Don't listen to the people who say, you got to do it this way or you got to do it in that place. You, you, you answer skill testing questions, you collect loyalty points, or you solve a puzzle, or you run a marathon. None of that applies. There's a beautiful Christmas song. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cleanse out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. That's all you need to do. Christmas calls us to new birth in the same way as it called Jesus to birth. For him it was a birth, for us it is a born again. For him it was becoming man, for us it becomes taking on his dimension, the kingdom of God. And all you need to do is ask. If you, said Jesus, who are evil, know how to pile good gifts on your family at Christmas, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I am being perfectly honest when I say there are times in my life, even after 69 years of being spiritually aware, that I struggle with faith, that I struggle with obedience. And every time when I say to the Lord, please, sir, like the little kid in the Charles Dickens story, please, sir, can I have some more? And I'm referring to the Holy Spirit. Please, Holy Spirit, descend on me, overshadow me, empower me, enable me, work through me. I can't do it. I'm flesh and blood. I can beat up flesh and blood, but I can't do it. I can't make it win. I can't make it succeed. But you can. You did. You do. And you will again. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Are you asking? Are you begging? Are you pleading? Are you insisting that you have some more? Because when you do, you can close with what Paul said to the Romans. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. When you ask God to give you the Spirit and ask Him to birth you afresh as He birthed His Son in Mary in the stable in Bethlehem, you will leave this place and you will live this life under the shadow of the Spirit of God. And there isn't a better place in the world. Thanks be to God. And God's people say, thank you, Lord, that just as you sent Jesus to become man, so you are giving us the Spirit to transform us into being fit for the kingdom of heaven. Help us to ask. Help us to trust. Help us to practice. To practice saying, please, Lord,
overshadow me and make me fit to be the kind of person you desire me to be. Hear us in his name. Amen.